What's going on, Commonwealth? And welcome back to another great episode of the Bluegrass Soccer Guest, your home for all things soccer, right here in the beautiful Commonwealth of Kentucky. I'm, of course, Mr. Jimmy. That's Mr. John. John, how are we doing today, sir? <coughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. How's the how's the cough from, uh, what was it, two weeks ago? It's fine. It's just existing now. It's mm. not as bad as it was. Um, sometimes existing is just enough, right? <laughs> uh, John, random icebreaker question of the day. Would you join a community in space if it was permanent? So a permanent move to space or no, John? I think that would depend on the stage. Mm. Like I so could like not a city already. If it's already developed and that sort of thing, I can just kind of show up and like kind of just find a job that type of thing. I was like, no, you gotta like be an early farmer or seller mm. type thing. I could not do that. Yeah, no, I could not do that either. Also, that is a, an odd, random generated question. Um, I'm kind of with you. Like, if it's a, a settlement or something like that that's already established, and I'm just going there for like retirement. Okay, sure. Why not? Let's have fun. Let's uh, let's go be off-worlders. Uh, but if it's like you're an astronaut having to go figure it out, mm, nah, I'm good. Uh, I also don't like heights, so that would be a problem. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, have a window seat. True, that's what I do on an airplane. I always sit in the aisle. I don't know how. That's the most annoying part to sit in. What, the aisle? I get one I leg I can stretch out then. <laughs> Until they roll the cart through for service and they have to like exactly. pin it in. Cart through, you get the person trying to get their stuff up from like the thing. Oh, it's so annoying. Mm. I'm I'm a middle or an aisle seat kind of guy. But John, with all of that out of the way, let's go on and jump on into things here. So to start this week, of course, you know where we're gonna go off the top. And John, I want to play a little bit of a game this week. Um, called Will They, Won't They? And we're going to be talking about will they, won't they make the playoffs or not? Um, and I want to go on and start and get this first one out of the way uh, because it's the one that I think we can officially say no shot. Um, well, Lexington they've been Club. statistically eliminated. Oh, they have? Okay. Yeah, they, so, got statistically, they got statistically eliminated when they lost to the Red Wolves. Hmm. So, yes, they're not going to make the playoffs. However, uh, and we'll break down this week's action here in just a little bit. But I, I do want to say, like, to me, the rest of the season is more about what can Nacho get out of this team and just how many points can they accumulate, right? Well, I think the rest of the season is what we saw on Saturday. Yep. Is play more youth-centric, which they did. Um, mm -hmm. That was the first... Causey uh, was back in goal for the first time since April. Uh, it was the first match that Fox has not started in. So Fox had been the only player to start every single match. Granted, he, right. can't, he appeared later, so he still has that streak of playing in every single game going. But he did not start. We started a much younger back line. Yes, there was Cesar in there, and Cesar is, is a little older, but there was Chea and Jackson. Um, 
but it was playing the youth and seeing how they do. Um, and I, that's how we should be moving forward. Um, I'm hopeful just, we saw a lot. Drew Patterson got some good minutes in that match too. Um, so I'm hopeful to see how this goes. Um, for those who didn't notice, because back if you're the backup keeper, you're basically not noticed. Uh, Luke Knight wasn't in the 18 at all. Luke Phillips got his first official. Is that a cap? I would say it's a cap. When, if I'm not sure. I'm not. Sh- I'm not fully sure how caps work because I've seen stuff about like being in the game, or is or I've seen stuff like being on the available roster is a cap. Like I think there's appearances and then there's caps. It's kind of weird, but I think by definition he got his first ever professional cap. Mm-hmm. Um, being in the 18 as the backup keeper in that matchup. <clears throat> um, so I'm curious to see if we see him at all. Um, this matchup against North Carolina is going to be interesting, which I'll speak more on Wednesday about it. But it's are we going to see the youth? How is that going to develop? The fact that it took till four matches to go. For us to be statistically eliminated, and even then, if that match had gone our way, we wouldn't have been. At least at that point. Um, right. So, I think that's good. That's yeah, a good I, start, especially because if you looked at all the like USL tactics and all that type of stuff at the beginning of this year. Lexington had like zero percent chance of making the playoffs, highest percent chance to finish dead last in the league, and all this type of stuff. And we still have a chance to finish like tenth because the Red Bulls have had to have had two straight wins, um, so they're a point behind us. But I th- overall, I think finishing ninth or tenth, I think finishing anything above last is good. Yes, and that's what I was going to say. Like I think. There might be a chance that they can finish in ninth. It would be very unlikely. Um, but I still think there is a small chance. Best case scenario, you finish in ninth. Worst case, you finish in 11th. Because I don't think there's any way they're getting to 12th. Um, I just don't think, what's his name? Uh, Fuego can gain that many no, points. Fuego has officially lose. earned yeah. the wooden spoon. Oh, I saw that, and I absolutely love it. They are statistically, it's statistically impossible because let me look at the. It's they're, they, I believe they're at least six points down, out. Uh, uh, don't uh, get any splinters with that spoon. They are Fuego. eight points. They are eight points away from Richmond. So yeah, no shot. Like it's with two games. There's Richmond and Lexington and Chattanooga are in this little pack. There's and Fuego. Knoxville's still above them. That could fall Knox- still. Well, yeah, Knoxville could still fall, but there's there's a six point difference. Mm-hmm. So there's Fuego, eight points, little pack of teams within five points of each other, four or five points of each other, six points, and then there's Knoxville and Tormenta, which Tormenta has kind of separated themselves from Knoxville. Knoxville's in this weird kind of middle thing because they're f- six points above Lex, but four points off of Tormenta, so they're in this weird kind of in-between sphere. Um, And then it's Tormenta, who's now only two points off of the playoffs um, with 
Charlotte secured it, and Greenville and Madison are both only two points ahead of Tormenta. Right. And, you know, I think not finishing in last as an expansion team is is a good result, right? Like, yeah, do you want to make the playoffs? Yes. Do you want to make a competitive team? Yes. But you're not the worst team. Not even close. Yes, they were very competitive all year. Like, and even Fuego, as bad as they are, Mm -hmm. have been competitive for at least bits of the season. They have been... Lexington fans know all about that. (laughs) Well, I'm not even saying it's a Lexington game. Like, they... They had a they had a thriller against Madison. They've taken, they've gotten what? It's not a lot, but they've still gotten five, five wins and five draws right. in thirty matches. So that's at least a third of their season. They've played decent enough. Yes, that's still terrible, technically speaking. <laughs> that's what played, I was gonna say. You beat me. But too. they've played decent, and their goal differential is negative twenty five. Um, that's so many, but they've only, they've scored three less goals than Knoxville. Mm. So they're not far off really. Yeah. Their offense is okay. Their defense is really bad. They've mm. been playing with a backup keeper all year. Their main keeper got hurt. It's just, this is what happens when in third division soccer in a closed system, it's super wonky, especially with how the U S system is. Because there's three leagues. Yep. Granted, I would say USL one, and it's hard to measure it, but I would say USL one's kind of the best because MLS Next Pro is more a development league. Mm-hmm. Y- you could argue USL one is too, but um, but it is still professional. The, yeah, the purpose of MLS Next is to literally give B side squad players playing time against other B-side squad MLS players. It's literally a minor league system. Like, there's no, like, even if they open, even if U.S. soccer opens the pyramid and MLS joins that open pyramid, the MLS next teams are not joining that. Mm -mm. They technically could, but they're going to stay where they're at. They can't go any higher. (coughs) If they follow the models of Europe. Speaking of uh, MLS Next teams, I, I wasn't even going to bring this up. Uh, I went to Chattanooga for the first time, took a group of, of students on Friday, and I counted. Uh, I saw five different soccer fans, you know, somebody in a t-shirt or something, right? Three of them had on Chattanooga FC. Two of them were international. Zero Red Wolves fans. So... If you're a Red Bulls fan weird, out there, find your people, make your pack, and get shown, because I don't believe you exist anymore. Which is weird, because the Red Wolves do average decent numbers. I don't believe it. Can't that, I'm that just, stadium I'm is just terrible. Saying, I'm saying with what they produce, numbers-wise, right. now people can make arguments about sports attendance numbers all they want. Right. Um, Very true. But by what the data we have... In which I tell everybody who tells me this, well, that's not true. Show me other data, and I will follow it. I'm not just going to follow yep. some random thing. Um, the data we have, Chattanooga draw decent, um, right around where Lex does even higher. <coughs> G- 
Chattanooga FC, I'm very curious if they do become an MLS next team because that's still kind of wishy washy. Well, I thought it was right official. now. It, from when it first hit, it sounded like it was basically official, but then there's kind of been nothing about it since that. So mm-hmm. some people are like, what if that was just them exploring options and that someone leaked, like, oh, they mm. like they're in talks. So it's still up for debate, but it's. I don't see Chattanooga FC surviving if they do it as like this like cult following of a club if they do go to MLS Next Pro. Um because they're they're also unique. They formed ten ten years before the Red Wolves. They were like one of the initial clubs to really jump on that like social media train. Um that we've seen a lot for for the clubs. The they were a blueprint club. for a small team, mm-hmm. like other minor league teams that have existed in baseball and hockey for years have followed their model of social media, where you just kind of go on this thing that's kind of like weird and not like fully professional, <laughs> professional in a sense. Yeah. That gets you followers. We've seen this with like Wendy's Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that, because if you just do what every other company is doing, you're not unique. And then they did these unique stuff, especially on Facebook, apparently. And they gained a lot of followers that way. So they're that's how they did it. Um, and they actually play in Chattanooga proper, which, yes, Lexington does not play in Lexington proper. They're going to with their permanent stadium. But the Rebels' permanent stadium is in Eastridge. Um. But as a whole, this league is weird, and it's hard to judge yep. where things are at. Because North Carolina, yes, you can make the argument they did all this because they're prepping for that jump. North Carolina dropped from the championship and then sucked for two years. They were terrible in the league, and now they're battling for the player shield. Um, they still haven't secured it yet, but they're battling for it. So. Well, I think kind of the to wrap up the the Lexington portion of uh, of our game here, <coughs> you know, I think Lexington most importantly to me was really really good at home. And John, I know that you saw the majority of that six wins, only three losses, six draws at home. Uh, I thought that was really good, and I agree with what you said. You know, kind of in relation to the rest of the season, I just want to see the young core continue to get time and continue to play. Uh, They were only go for it. Let's put it this way: they were only nine points off of Charlotte, who are the best team at home. Um, they have one less loss than Charlotte. So, literally, if four draws turned wins for Lexington, they are on par with Charlotte and Omaha for the best record at home. Uh, Which would put them in the playoffs right or at least put them closer to it uh if if those four wins yes if we they have those four wins go their way lexington is sitting for those four draws during the wins that's what 12 points instead of four four, so that's eight extra points they would be in eighth right now if every Mm -hmm. everything else went the same way i'm not doing the math of trying to take 
other yeah. points away, but they would be sitting around the playoff line, a lot closer to the playoff line than they are right now. And I think that's what what people need to understand. Overall, yes, they're seven, ten, and thirteen. Um, but overall, that means four more games have had positive results or points from them than you've had no points as much as like having 13 losses sucks. Um, we have the same amount of losses as Tormenta, who are about to get in the playoffs. We only have three less losses in Greenville. Uh, only two more than Knox. You could argue the Knox games going their way, could flip the table. It absolutely would. Um, yeah, but that that's just what I'm saying. It's like, if, when it comes down to do five games go your way instead of going the other way in the sense of a draw or a loss, and you're a playoff team, that's good. For Fuego, you take five games and do that. There's only a 10 wins. Yeah, and that, still not even close. <clears throat> that's not that much. There are 10 wins, 15 losses. Still, yeah. Um, so, and that's where I think you could chalk stuff up to luck. I do believe in a 32 game schedule, about a third, any this is in Prem, this is anything, a third is luck of all yeah, the results are that. luck. Greenville, the yeah. Greenville draw, luck for Greenville. Um, our comeback win over Noco. That's luck our way. Mm-hmm. Um, the Red Wolves first win over us. Those two sh- like goals. Any other quick, quick goals? They've done. They did it to us three times. Luck, kind of. I I think quick, quick goals are like when you get back to back goals. It's really hard for me to judge if it's luck or you're just capitalizing on something. Uh, the Knoxville going up a man and that guy getting a curling shot. And luck, like a lot of this stuff, you could chalk up. Heck, you could chalk up that Madison game to luck because they scored yeah. two goals off of Causey. The first one, it just Causey was gathering in and just slipped through his arms, and the guy made a good run in. And then the other one, the guy chipped it perfectly around Causey, right to his another player's head. So you could chalk that to a win if the youth and Jackson still get their goals. Granted, the game's a little different if they those goals don't happen, but. It's just these tiny little things that just lead to, I would say, a third of it is luck. But that means if a third of it is luck, you have to make the other two thirds go your way. Mm -hmm. Or at least half of the time go your way and hope the other half is good and you have some good luck. And I think they've set the the standard you've got a a good baseline to jump off for next year. You got a good pretty good roster, very competitive. You can make some additions in the off season and you can easily find yourself like you said there John with a couple of more victories and then boom, you're right there in the playoff conversation. I'm really curious just how many players get brought back if they do um and all that type of stuff. I'm curious to how many loyal players where the San Diego loyal players go because that's 25 players. Yes. You can make the argument. They're probably going to stay in the championship. But I feel like some are going to come down. Um, yeah, you would think, uh, 
but then there's also what players are going to go up in the league mm-hmm. because but I don't do think you, Trevor does he go up. I like, and I've said this. I I've kind of come to terms with the youth not being here next year, mm-hmm. in the sense of he's too good. Trevor, Amin, I think he would look great in purple. I don't know if stay in the state. About that. Slide on uh, over. Trevor Amon. Amon, however they say his name. He's the oh. record setter at Northern Colorado. He definitely shouldn't be back unless they have him on a multi-year deal. Even then, sell him. Right. You might need um, that cash. Yeah. Delgado, for, for Noco, shouldn't be back. Pack shouldn't be back with Charlotte. He should be making them jump up. Like... There's just all these different things. How how long is Don Smart going to play? Because he's going to be entering 36 next year. And that is right around where, especially field players, outfield players, start to retire. 36, 38. You might see some old, but does he, maybe not retire, but how much does he actually play a full 90? And we've kind of seen that. So it's played I'm very this year. He hasn't played a full 90 in what a couple of weeks at least, right? Yeah. So I'm curious to how that applies. And I'm curious to how many players are truly rentals. Like I Blix fans do not be surprised if a player didn't get that many minutes and he's a little older if he's not coming back. Um just playing simple, especially if they haven't gotten the 18 much. Mm-hmm. Um just that sort of thing. Like, what is it going to be? This league has a lot of turnover. That's why you see Cesar and Don Smart and Owen Green have all played for. Uh, Nico has played in this league prior. They've all played for different teams. Cesar and Don Smart have both played for. This is their third or fourth USL one team in five years, and that's not because they're bad. It's just no. that's turnover. Like you, I think Tormenta is really the only club that's like kept players around. Like their thing is multi-year, and I think Lexington is sort of in that sense of like Tormenta from all the stuff Stockley's been saying. But it's a they're the sense of the core, right? They're they're not going to keep around fifteen guys unless that fifteen is their core. Like they truly developed a full core of here's our eleven, here's our. Um, and then here's our like four main subs, four or five main subs that we're going to use. It will have these fringe youth players or vets as well, our backup keeper too. But here's our main guys. Let's run with it. <clears throat> let's enjoy the last two games. You only get one inaugural season. Um, so let's enjoy it. Let's make sure that we go out, we support the team. Uh, they do have one more home game and one more road game. So make sure that you go out, support Lexington. Um, you know, they may not make the playoffs, but hey, still a good time to be had, right? But let's move up the the kind of rankings here of who is in, who's out. And John, flat out going to ask, Racing Louisville, are they going to make it or are they not? Oh, it's tight. So they are eight. I have a four- definitive answer. They are four points out. They're yes. playing Orlando, who's not in the playoffs. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that might not fully help them. Um, but it could still, if three wins, the three points can still go a long way. 
and then yeah, but Orlando with three points could jump up into a tie for six. They could, but that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're not out of it yet. They're four points out, which means theoretically they only need a win and a draw in these next two. Right. They need two chaos. <laughs> they need two wins. Um, and they are playing a playoff team mm-hmm. in San Diego. Yep. For their On last the road. game, who is pretty much secured. Mm-hmm. So I think they might be able to get a win there. Because I don't think San Diego is going to go all out in that. No. Because they've also pretty much, well, they haven't necessarily secured the shield. But right. I don't They're one so point we'll clear see. right now. We'll see. And this is my thing with like Lex versus North Carolina on Saturday. So we'll see what they're going to do. Just do they care about the, the player shield really? Or, or whatever it's called in the NWSL? Or are they more, we want the championship? The shield's nice, but we want the championship. Like, not every team can be like FC Cincinnati and secure it well before the end. So now there's no question. Cincinnati has it. So they can, te- they can truly coast if they want to. They can- and I can't lose the shield. I wouldn't blame them. Yeah. But like, if you're still battling for that, do you do that? Do you battle for the shield or you're more like, I want health in the playoffs? I want my top people to be ready to go. Um, oh, because it's I can also see a both home sides. Field advantage, right? Like it's home field advantage, but but they would have to. Uh, they're still top three. Yeah. Um, yeah, so even if they drop, they would still be three. Yeah. So that and North and here's the thing: they're top three, and Portland and Newt and Gotham face each other this weekend. So they are almost guaranteed top three. Because they're facing North Carolina, who's in it, but not necessarily. So it's going to be chaos. It's going to be chaos. These next two weeks are going to be absolute chaos in the NWSL. The question is, will they? It, they Racing has to capitalize on Orlando. They have to. This is like their must win. Same with Orlando is going into this with a must win mentality. Um, if they don't win it, they're done. They're just done. Um, so we'll see. They have to fight. They have to battle for it. They can't just what after that good big old win over Portland. They've dropped to Houston. They they haven't scored a goal. Yeah, they've really really struggled. (laughs) And it's not well, with bad. It's not actually like bad defense. It's the defense can't do everything. Right, defense can't continue <clears throat> to bail you out when your offense is non-existent at times. Right. Yeah. Well, so, I, I, John, we'll I feel pretty definitive with this one. Like I, I don't see any chance of racing Louisville getting into the playoffs. I'm sorry. Uh, it's been a great season. I think best case scenario, you finish in seventh. Worst case scenario, and you lose the last two, you finish in dead last in 12th. Um, I think this match with Orlando on this weekend at home will go a long way to determine where they're going to finish. Because I agree, I think that match with San Diego very easily could be a, a road win. 
um, if we go all out and they are kind of resting players or whatever. Um, you know, so I think it comes down to can we beat Orlando at home in the last home game of the season and, you know, then roll the dice next week at, uh, at San Diego. Uh, by the way, we are at 2-2 for the UofL-UMKC game. UofL has really had to fight back in this one. Um, but back to racing here. Those Losing those last two in a row just absolutely killed any momentum that they had. And it's completely taken their chances of making the playoffs out of their hands. Um, yes, as John said, they're only four points back out of six. And they're only two points ahead of 12th. <laughs> so this is going to be a big game for both Orlando and racing. Um, Orlando is just one point clear of racing. But if they get the road victory, they're going to really jump up in the table potentially. Because uh, three more points for them would put them tied for, for six. So it's a close race. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see what happens this weekend. Um, cause you know, if racing shows up, maybe they have a chance, but I just don't, I don't think it's going to happen. It's going to be interesting. Cause it also, I think will have impacts on, um, the, how the roster is going to look next year. Absolutely. Because There's no way all of these world cup stars are coming they, back if we're not in the playoffs. Well, now they're expanding, right? Are they adding two teams next year? No, that I am not up on. Let me. That's what I'm checking. Um, because I know they have three teams coming. Mm hmm. Uh, Bo- like Boston's being re added and stuff like that. Um,. Oh, there's so many teams. So much rumored. Um, but with expansion coming and uh, the Super League coming, I'm very curious to how the whole end of the, the roster uh, aspect is going to go. I'm curious, is the Super League going to chase after those stars? Do they have, do the owners have the power to bring in Thembi, to bring in, um, I forget her name, but like, do that, does that, does the Super League have that power? Is it the Super League going to more get the fringe bench players that want playing time? So it's going to be very curious because I also diminish it. The Super League is going to diminish the depth of the NWSL, which I think take away from the chaos element into it. Um, the part of the chaos element is the NWSL is the best league in the Western Hemisphere. They are. Um, they're, argu- they're a top five league. You can make arguments about the FA Women's Super League and the, Span- the La Liga Feminal, but they are the best league. Uh, top- they're a top three league in the world and they only have 12 teams. So... That's so, okay. really top heavy. That's okay. really like mixing and competitive. It is like <clears throat> where those players choose to go is going to make the difference, right? But um, so just doing some very quick googling 
don't don't know how reliable this source is, but I am seeing next year for 24, the Utah Royals are planning to return, as well as Bay FC, which is in San Jose slash San Francisco right. Bay area. Those are the ones that, yeah. So there's the league is going to go to at least 14 next year. Yep. Uh, I'm curious to how that affects the playoffs because you can't do 17. Seven <laughs> half teams. the makes it. Well, the half the league makes it now. You can't mm-hmm. do seven well, teams true. in the playoffs unless you give the first team a bye. A bye. Which is what Maybe. the uh, USL one does. The top two teams get a bye. When in twenty five, two or I'm sorry, three more potentials: uh, Boston, which we know, and then Denver and Cleveland, also heavily rumored. So that moves it to. 17. Mm-hmm. Like this league is expanding rapidly, and you have the Super League. It's going to be very curious to what happens to it. I, it, From all I've heard, the Super League is going to be treated as like a 1A type thing. It's definitely not going to be considered top, but I'm curious to the pockets of the Super League and stuff. There's I don't a think it's a whole lot of rumors. Well, and that's the thing with women's soccer. <laughs> and that's the thing with women's soccer is like people, there's people who want to invest and they're willing to like feel out the market. But there's a lot more feeling out the market with women's soccer than there is with men's. Right. Like literally, I'm just going to list the teams that are kind of rumored, right? <laughs> Atlanta, New England, but in Connecticut, not in Foxborough, um, Austin, Texas, Toronto. Cincinnati, Minnesota, Oakland, Philadelphia, Miami, um, Pittsburgh, another New York City team, Minnesota, Indianapolis, Dallas, Barcelona. They were supposed to have a team in L.A. at one point. Dallas is interesting because there's a Super League team going to Dallas or Fort Worth area. Well... I just want to be very clear. I'm not reporting anything. There's no publicity that has officially announced a bid. Well, but it's, just a rumor. It's, this stuff with all the Super League stuff, or I, any soccer, USL, MLS, MLS not so much because of how big the price tag is right now. I feel like every time, because in our, in our Discord we have a bot that posts the mm-hmm. Reddit stuff, I feel like every other day I see something about this team this city with a team. Yeah. This I was like, "What is your basis?" Oh, I saw something <laughs> about. Uh, I saw a USL truck in Paducah, Kentucky. Hey, like no, it could just be like the company truck just happened to be in the city. Y'all need to relax. Like it's uh, so it it gives me like living in Kentucky. It gives me like Kentucky basketball esque stuff about any player under the sun type Um, you are very right on dallas um clicked on a couple other sources here um dallas officially announced in may 23 that they are going to do a usl super league team uh same for indianapolis where else did i see that phoenix and it's also weird with the usl and mwsl you mm-hmm. have teams like Racing and like the North Carolina Courage and like Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Oakland's on a, a, 
NWSL team right now. No, no, I was saying they're uh, another team that's got the USL I'm saying Super League. The NWSL teams that have W League teams. Oh, Roger, Roger. Like affiliate. You have North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You have, um, you have racing and stuff. Affiliate. Uh, I don't know if that's just because like North Carolina and Louisville are also partnered with male USL teams, and this is their way of developing leagues and mm-hmm. stuff. And do like do they have to cut it off once the Super League starts? Like does the w, like does racing's W League team turn into Lou City W League because of the Super League? I don't think it will happen, but because that, that'd be really weird having a a developmental team with a organization that's technically your rival. Yeah, but <laughs> like it could be I don't, interesting. <laughs> I don't see it being cut off because I don't think no. the NWSL is at the point where they can shut the door on that. No. Um, it's going to it be bad PR in Very. general. Um, I think it's like, and I think any team I'm trying, I've been debating or writing an article. I think any team that doesn't field, and I've said this last week, any team that doesn't field an academy or like even tr- attempt to field a W League side, you're it's bad. Look, I don't care what your arguments are. It's like you're choosing not to develop. You're choosing not to bring anything into it. And you can make an argument. You do camps, but that's much much different. Yeah, way um, different. Way different. Not even really in the same conversation as having multiple teams, right? Yeah, and that you can do partnerships, and there's ways that you can go in without without disrupting the youth landscape. But I like guess. there is ways you could mm-hmm. but like there's no Lexington didn't like just drop an academy in the middle of they literally <laughs> they went they bought them Shai- well no to be fair Shively was like the head or a board member of one Mm-hmm. buddies they were like friends with the other and he just went i'm bringing this thing in do you just want to combine and they did because they both agreed it was better yeah it like, is better people don't understand like the whole the usl has a whole wing called the usl academy where they're all the usl is caring about in that section is developing talent like they, it's much more focused than whatever MLS is doing. <coughs> and stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, in the end, you know, I think racing, great season. Um, very much looking forward to kind of breaking down both Lexington well, and Louisville, racing Louisville at the end of the season. But in my opinion, is make or break. This game I, is I make don't or think break. It matters. If they draw, it's out. Like, it's win or you're done. I don't expect them to okay. win. I'm sorry. They've played... <laughs> Remember first, the game from a couple of weeks them. ago? First you curse them, and now you're like, <laughs> nothing. They got no yep, shot. Nothing. No shot. Nope. Let's see if it works this way. I do reverse psychology, or you <laughs> genuinely are like, nah, they're done. Hey, I did take a sports fan psychology class in college, so we'll see if it works. Um, so then with that, let's pivot to the boys who are in. 
Um, confirmed, definitely. Lou City, yes, you are making the playoffs. But what is the seed going to be? That's the big question, right? They're in a very tight-knit battle with uh, Memphis. They're currently in fifth. Memphis is in fourth. One point clear. Lou City is only two wins, three losses in their last five. They are way better at home. Eight wins to five losses and two draws. Then they are on the road where there's six wins, six losses, and five ties. Almost even all across the board there on the road. Um, and it's got, or Lucidity has got to get this momentum going. Can they find Uncle Mo to hang out for a few more weeks to get them up to fourth? Um, they play at home, last home match this weekend versus Hartford. Then. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry, not the last so much. My apologies. They're at home for Hartford this weekend, and then final game of the season at home versus Tampa. So, Lou City, this is your golden window to make it in. Hartford is trash and is out of the playoffs. That is an absolute must win for Lou City. If they do not win against Hartford, <coughs> Lou City fans, go on and book your tickets to Memphis because that's where we're going. Um, Tampa. A huge match that weekend. Uh, or I'm sorry, Tampa has a huge match this weekend with Pittsburgh. You know, the Which, winner of that could determine one and two, right? What were we gonna say? Yeah. I'm gonna say this. One, Lucy needs to win out, but the Lucy needs to become Pittsburgh fans. Yes, and big Detroit Pittsburgh fans. and Detroit fans. Yep. In case Lou doesn't secure home playoffs. Because Memphis Outside of Indy is your closest mm-hmm. opponent. Well, Memphis and Detroit might be about the same. Um, but they're close. I've never opponent. thought about that. But, yeah, you're probably right, really. You mu- you want Detroit as the possible eighth seed and Pittsburgh facing each other because those are both easier drives than Miami. Yep. And so even if they don't secure it, you want to be – I know – Lou City fans will hate this. You want to be cheering on Detroit and Pittsburgh. Because... And especially Pittsburgh. <laughs> yes, especially Pittsburgh. But um, Tampa, if they can beat Pittsburgh this weekend, that could be a very interesting I... scenario the, the following weekend, right? Where Tampa may not have a whole lot to play for in that trip to Louisville. They could rest a lot of players, and that could be well, another no, no, no. opportunity. They would... They would have a lot to play for because if Tampa wins, mm-hmm. they're tied on the shield. Right. Tampa would have the goal differential, mm-hmm. but Pittsburgh then plays um, Detroit, mm. which is so very they, difficult. <laughs> is it on the road or at Pittsburgh? They're in Detroit, mm. and that could be a make or break game for Detroit, right? Because so, could they get to second? Detroit? I didn't look. No, no, no. They they are at ninth right now. Oh. They're a point behind the real. They're a point they behind the, the real oh, Miami. Uh, but Detroit get them out of here. Detroit has the second or the Detroit um, is one of the better defensive teams. Right. Their offense ain't that great, but they're one of the better defensive teams. So, uh, the Riverhounds would need to win because like I said Tampa has a goal difference so it'd be interesting. I don't see a scenario 
if Tampa loses against the Riverhounds, I see them resting against Louisville. Mm-hmm. If they win, that's different because then the shield's on the line. Right. So, you know, again, Blue <laughs> City, we're, we're cheering for Pittsburgh. Let's get our terrible towels ready. Um, but let's also look at things from Memphis's side, right? One point clear right now of Blue City. They host El Paso this weekend, and then they head to New Mexico to close out the season. El Paso is clinging to seventh place in the West right now, and New Mexico is fighting like heck to get up into that eighth spot and to make the playoffs. I can see Memphis either winning both of those games because they've been a grinded out kind of a team, or what I think is more likely, they lose both of those games. Memphis is two wins, two losses, and two tie- and one tie in the last five. They are not on a hot streak. They are very average <laughs> coming down the stretch here. And, you know, overall, they have been better this season at home. Six wins, six losses, four ties at home versus on the <coughs> road. Uh, Memphis has actually been way better on the road. Seven wins, three losses, and six ties on the road. So honestly, if you're a Lou City fan, maybe you hope that Memphis can split and you do have to go down um, to Memphis because Memphis has a worse record at home and you have a better road record. I don't know. That feels like a, a weird thing to think about. But if I'm looking at the schedule, who we play and when and where, I'm going to take both teams to split four points each. And I think... Blue City fans, let's go on and book our hotel rooms for uh, Memphis the weekend of October 21st because I just think that's how it's going to close out. It's going to be interesting. It's chaos. I think you let chaos happen because they also... No, Memphis owes goal difference. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot so... of things pointing their direction. Yeah, so we'll just have to see. I think it's going to be interesting because I think the road can kill them. New Mexico did just squeeze out a win over Lucidity. Oh, come on. That's, that wasn't a squeeze out. They suffocated them. And we'll use that as a jumping off point they to go to. What is a suffocate? Line. What is a suffocate? It was two to zero, Blue City losing at New Mexico United. This is an alarming setback for Blue City fans. Like, I am ringing the five alarm bells, like, call the fire department. Like, this is a rallying call for how bad this team can be. This was embarrassing. Losing two zero on the road to New Mexico United. Are you kidding me? Blue City continually missed opportunities. They had crucial errors all over the field, but especially on defense. Um, they could have secured fourth place. They didn't capitalize on their opportunities, and it was just disappointing. Um, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know how to keep saying it, John. What, allowing a goal, a man up, and then not scoring at all with two men up? Uh, yeah, that's embarrassing. Like, come on now. We've got to be better. Like, we have Here, to have here's, here's a better attack. Allowing a goal a man up is eh. 
Um, I like I, I've broken it down before. Having a man advantage is really not an advantage at all, especially at, when the other team has the advantage. As New Mexico was up a goal in that, so they can do a lot of counterattacking in that sense. Um, two men is different. Yes, very that's not very different. As, and it wasn't like and it was yes, it was towards the end of the game, but it wasn't in the sense of um. It was not in the sense of like two minutes left. You had fifteen minutes, and you couldn't and, get a goal up two men. And I don't know how many times Coach Cruz can keep going to this well. You know, he talked in the post game interview. Oh, we're so disappointed. Like, oh, this was embarrassing. Uh, uh, uh. Like, I'm tired of hearing it, Coach Cruz. I think get it together. I think what killed him ready. was that he made two subs at the half. I, I agree. I think that was think the, not the time to waited. make those subs. Yes, my, my, I haven't. I have an issue with two subs. I have an issue with subbing at the half in general, unless a player is hurt. Type thing, they like finish out whatever. That's fine. Finish out the half if they're hurt. You make that subbing, then that is fine. But unless you genuinely think this player is gonna like revamp you, which I can make the argument with Elijah Winder that he he's like their spark plug. He's kind of been the spark plug this year. Right. But like Owen Dam. Mm. Like what are we doing? That that was a dumb move. I will call it what it was. That was a mistake by the coaching staff, by Coach Cruz, of making that substitution at that time. Um, briefly, while I have it here, uh, University of Louisville has come all the way back to take the lead, three to two now over UMKC as time is expiring in that uh, that matchup. But I wanted, I want Coach Cruz to get this team right and get them ready for what should be should be an urgent finish to the season. Like, like you've got to come in with some kind of momentum. Otherwise, when we go down to Memphis in a couple of weeks as a, as a fan base, it's going to be an embarrassment. We're going to get beat on a terrible field by a bad team. Like how does two how does a side that's down a man All right, where do they lose? They go down a man in the 53rd, 54th, and then another one in the 75th. How does a guy, how does a side that's down that, that only has 32% possession, have more shots on target and more big chances than a full 11 side? That's a great like that, question. That's even, the thing, that's even the thing with like Lexington's loss to Knoxville up a man. They mm-hmm. still like were trying. Like if you looked at the stats, they very much had the man advantage. Like, you can see it on the stats. And the only stat that shows man advantage to Lou in the second half is they had five more shots, not shots on target, five more shots and 68% possession. They committed more fouls. Yes, they had more corners. Shocker. But they had zero big <laughs> chances. They right. passed the ball more. You're on target. But you had eight shots off target out of your nine. You didn't even have the most accurate long balls. How do you have the t- a man advantage and I have more accurate long balls? Do you see why this is maddening to me? <clears throat> this is not the result that a playoff team, a team that should be pushing the top three, right? But we can't even take care of the seventh or eighth best team in the West. 
It's not acceptable. Uh, Coach Cruz, <laughs> get your boys together, regroup, recover, like you said you were going to do, and let's I mean, close out the season with two wins. They were the third best team, or they're the tenth best team. They were either tenth or eleventh when Lou faced them. Okay, well they're the seventh West. now or eighth eighth place now. They are ten- New Mexico is tenth right now. I thought they were eighth. I misread then. Anyway, they are they are two points off of eighth. Okay, that's what it was. They're it's within re- striking it's distance. like insanely tight. Like Rio uh, Rio Grande is at thirty nine points, and like El Paso is seventh at forty three, and there's four teams in that zone. And then there is a legit twenty point drop, and then there's Vegas. <laughs> Like, Can they relegate Vegas? Can they really like do that? People. people. Can we forcibly relegate them? Fuego. Fuego only has an eight. <laughs> Fuego has an eight oh, point gap. Twenty. I would watch points. that game. Twenty points. That is so. They have had. They have three wins and ten draws. The fact they have ten oh, draws is shocking. I can't wait a... for Vegas to get beat in the Open Cup. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm. That. And there's been some really bad teams before. There was a Derby County side that in the Prem in like the mid 2000s. They only won one game, or they drew one game. They had only like Jesus one point. It was bad. Good God. Um, Can you imagine how that, bad that team that they drew against was? <laughs> that was like their third game of the season, too. So it was like a fluke of a game because I think the team finished in the top five that they drew. Oh, against. wow. Yeah. So that, but that's what I like want to tell people all the time is even the worst team can get a good result on any given day. Um, but it's a season that will show how truly bad they are or good they are. But even in the Prem, you can have a team that doesn't belong that sucks. So calm mm-hmm. yourselves with a third, with second division. And third division, you can get a little mad at NWSL because they're top, right? You can get a little more mad with them, but like Lex and Lou, you gotta remember they're they're second and third divisions. I still think Vegas needs to be forcefully relegated. Vegas, I think, should be relegated because it balances the leaks. Yes, yes, bring them on down. Can you imagine Lexington at Vegas next year? What? you mean a cheap away trip? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. We'll for those who don't know, Vegas is arguably like the cheapest place to fly, regardless <laughs> where you're coming from. Yeah, they got flights because, everywhere. Because they want you they want uh-huh. you to save as much money as possible. Hotels are decently cheap in Vegas too. Everything is really cheap in Vegas. It really it's is. Affordable. It's not cheap. It's affordable. Well, affordable. It's not like here, let me look right now. It's ve- much cheaper than going to like, um, and don't look on like a legion where it's like fifty bucks no matter where you're going. Right look now, like if a, I were to leave right website. now, well, Allegiant's one eighteen. Oh my god! For a week, this is flying from Lexington, mind you. So it's okay. a tiny airport. Tiny airport. You could do a round trip for a week, being in Vegas for a week. Um, on American or 463. 
from Lexington. So small airports are wow. paying a little more for that. Um, from Cincy, like a legit airport. <laughs> you That's got $50 Allegiant flights. Well, you got Frontier and stuff like oh, that. I forget those um, existed. I don't know how bad Frontier is. Uh, Frontier Spirit. Uh, also, shout out to Frontier Spirit and all of those. If you're looking to sponsor a podcast, I'd love to work with you. America, American <laughs> Airlines, 304 for one wow. person with one stop. So, you know, very cheap. Now, granted, I'm willing to fly Spirit or whatever for that short duration because they do right. no stops. They were no stops. The other ones were two stops or whatever. Um, anyways, I'm getting off topic, but that's yeah, I was about to pull us back. That that would bring the league that would balance USL a lot more in terms of ge- geography, in terms of what there, Jeff? Geography because Vegas <laughs> would be a western team, in you would league have, one. yeah, in League One, you would have Spokane, Fuego. Vegas, Santa Barbara, NoCo, Omaha. That's six. You can technically throw in Madison to that. Ooh, um, that'd be a long trip. But yeah, but that they're the like the next isolated team, so that's seven. Mm-hmm. And then you have the rest and taking out North Carolina. So it's about more balanced than it is right now, where they only have three teams west oh, of the west. Mississippi. Well, I'm in favor of it. How about you, sir? Let's make it happen. I'll make some phone calls. Uh, overall, I do, though, I do think I don't know why they haven't done this of the like lat like bottom of one league, top of the other league. Maybe that's what thing. the rail will be. The pro rail here in you know a couple of years if I, that gets off the table. I really don't think we're ever gonna have traditional pro rail if we have it. The US cares way too much about playoffs. Way too much about like this potential, like winner takes all, winner goes up or winner stays type thing to like just go, oh yeah, you sucked. You have no shot at defending yourself from a lower league. Like they just care too much. There's, there's, there's too much drama that you could make up, too much like hype anticipation, like see the team survive or, are we going to make the jump stuff that you could draw around it for the U.S. to go, nah, we're just going to go, yeah, you scored the least amount of points, you scored the most amount of points, you auto-switch. Well, and I think it could work in, in certain degrees, but we're getting way off topic. By the way, final L 3, UMKC 2. So congratulations to the Cardinals. Um, but speaking of that other team in Louisville, the men's team, like, you need victories. Let's rack them up. Let's get a little momentum going. Let's start cooking a little bit here, and let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Speaking of a Louisville team that did not do any cooking this past weekend, uh, Racing Louisville. Um, what a devastating and damaging 1-0 loss at Chicago with controversy abound after video review decisions going against racing on one call. Uh, that allowed a Chicago goal and then disallowed a penalty on Louisville in another one. 
The defeat, as we've kind of already talked about, the defeat leaves Racing Louisville three points outside of the playoffs with two games remaining. And their playoff fates are now, as I mentioned earlier, no longer their own hands. Uh, Racing controlled play for stretches and had some opportunities to make goals to find that equalizer, but they just couldn't. Um, Their scoring woes, which have been well documented on this show and so many others throughout the season, continued. And this was their third straight match of not scoring a goal. John, when you were looking through and preparing for this match, what did you see? What is wrong with them? They don't have an attack. They're not attacking. They're not shooting. Right. Like, (laughs) What was the show? I meant to uh, pull that up, the shot chart from that game. Um, I'll race you. Shots. Chicago, 14. Oh, well. Racing did have 22 shots, according to, to the side. Coming on target. Uh, three to five in favor of racing. So they so had they, some. Sorry. They had shots. Yeah. They didn't have threatening shots. Yeah. Only five on target. That. Like, here's the thing. And it also depends on the stack keeper, because some stack keepers literally... Yeah, that, any that doesn't ball, seem accurate for what I saw. Any ball that, like, goes across the back line, they'll be like, that was a shot. Unless it was, like, very obviously tapped out or something like that. Mm-hmm. If they launch it, or they just send it in the box, especially if it's in the box, and it could be sent sky high over... Or flip, like, whatever. It's like, that's a shot. Some are like, that's not a shot. So it all depends on the stat keeper. But the fact that they only had five on target just proves how it is. There's shooting, and then there's actually shooting. And racing is not actually shooting. They're just kicking the ball at the net. Right. (coughs) Chicago has been abysmal all year, right? Like, they've let (laughs) up 41 goals. They've let up 41 goals. Are you kidding me? They've they let up 41 goals, goal and they're two, they are two points out. Racing is the only team not in the playoffs with a positive goal differential. I mean, Houston does have an, a zero goal differential, but correct. Meanwhile, Washington Spirit have a negative two goal differential, and they're comfortably in fifth right now. Because you know what they do? They don't lose games 1-0. Unlike racing, who again, this racing was will not... like dom- racing will dominate a game. They will score three and like they'll shut you out, but then they'll lose or draw the next ones. Right, in in not great fashion, right? And you know, I called them the lame stars. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I'm regretting that one after seeing the scoreline. But hey, whatever. Um. Uh, this is not a match that they should have lost, but I, I don't. I really kind of question these shot, the the number of shots here because I I don't keep track of stats when I'm watching a game or rewatching the highlights or anything. But 22 seems a a lot more than I thought um, <coughs> that they would have had. But it's not all lost, as we kind of talked a little bit. They can still get into the playoffs <coughs> with some help. Uh, they play at home against Orlando this on Friday night. And then they hit the road to play San Diego, where San Diego could have 
some things wrapped up by that one. So there's still wiggle room for racing, but they've got to find some offense. They've got to put some goals in the back of the net. But speaking of a team that did put some goals in the back of the net, as we kind of already had uh, hinted towards earlier, Lexington Sporting Club drew 2-2 with forward Madison this past weekend. Um, some of the things I kind of want to highlight, the young, uh, or sorry, the youthful performances. Um, Lexington showcased a lot of their younger talent um, against Madison, um, especially uh, 22-year-old Austin Casey and Kimball oh, Jackson. Uh, Kazi, thank you. Uh, and Kimball Jackson, who is not only 19 years old, both played significant roles uh, in the game. Uh, and the draw really came at a good time for Lexington, who had kind of been on a slide in points at least. Um, so securing points against a team like Madison is always a good thing. It was really good, strong defensive effort. You know, in the first half, Lexington's defense led by Austin. Um, held firm despite facing a multitude of shots. They probably had 22 shots in that game. I, I still don't know how Racing had 22. Um, Kazi uh, made impressive saves to keep uh, Lexington in the game. And in the second half, they made a great run. Um, Nico Brown uh, and Diouf played really well. They played um, some of the best attacking efforts that I've seen them play. You know, John... Um, as you were watching it, what were some things that you noticed from this Lexington game? One, I mentioned this earlier, Clausey played exceptionally well. He made seven saves on the night, five in just the first half. He made two mistakes. The man has not played in goal since April. Um, he's played a bit with the, the U23 side, but he has not played in goal in the league since April. That and his two mistakes. I would say only really one was a mistake. One was bad luck as he was trying to secure the ball, it just slipped through his body. And that's kind of more on his defense, kind of a good run by um, the Madison player. I'm forgetting his name. Madison presses. They like will attack the box. And so they attack the box he got in. The, you could say the second goal was on Causey. That was more of a mistake. But like I've said in my write-up, it's kind of a very fixable mistake because he gets his body there. It's saved. The chip is a little off. That doesn't go in. So it's like you could heavily debate this, the second goal. Yeah, but overall, I think Lexington was the better side. And this is against the Madison side, as I mentioned earlier that has not secured playoffs, that is needing, that is only now two points. They have a two-point cushion from Tormenta. So, and they, Madison plays someone, I think they play a playoff team too. Uh, Madison plays NoCo next. Which is not going to be an easy victory. Who is battling for the shield themselves. NoCo is only a a point off of the shield. So it's going to be very interesting how they do it. Because Tormenta is playing uh, Omaha. So it's going to be very interesting. <coughs> well, and, you know, Diouf 
scored in the 74th minute, making, uh, what was it, his 15th goal of the season, uh, which is a really impressive mark for any USL player. Um, he becomes the sixth player ever yep. to do it in the league. And that, and this step. is a league. This is a league that three of those players, counting Duf, have done that this year. Mm-hmm. So only in the five, five, four years pre- previous, only three players had ever scored more than fifteen in a season. Yes, you could chalk that up to the season's a little longer with more games. COVID. Could have affected that, but mm-hmm. he's the sixth player to do it. Right. Um, and the beauty of a goal. And then Jackson does what how most defenders get their goals picking up scraps. Yep. The youngest <laughs> he, uh was he the youngest to score in franchise history? He's the youngest. He is nineteen years old and some change. Um the, the, the I believe the youth was the youngest prior. Because uh, it's here to you for Balogun. Smart's Smart's our oldest scorer. Ouch. Owen's older. Speaking of getting old, ouch. Tate's Tate's a bit older. I think it was it was here to you or Balogun was it before? I might be forgetting someone. Uh so so maybe. But mm. it's it's Did simple. Has he scored this season? He scored against. He nutmegged a. Red Wolves defender oh, down Chattanooga and then buried it. Um, one of the better goals of the year from us. Um, <coughs> um, but it's Kimball now, and that's these 19. Um, and he's played amazing these past two matches. Um, really holding his own type of thing. Um, very much a uh, attacking wingback mm-hmm. he's shown um he's very much in the attacking game so it's very, I, it's a lot of hope uh kimball the younger guys are the guys i'd be very surprised if they leave besides like the youth uh so like gonzalez jackson mane delamini I feel like we'd be return we're gonna return uh more people than we realize than we think but at the same time i'm not don't quote me on that. Well, so, and I want to echo that that kind of optimism that you have there. Like the future is looking very good for Lexington, especially if Kazi and Jackson can stick around. Um, I think as fans, we need to continue to to push them uh, or to support them. I'm sorry, uh, <coughs> especially as you know the final home game is against North Carolina. You know they're still trying to secure their playoff spots, so. Why not play a little bit of a spoiler, huh? Be a nice way for North Nacho Carolina to get is in. So I would mention North Carolina is in the playoffs. They're secured firm in the playoffs. They're battling for the shield. We're battling for the shield. So I think it'd be interesting. I don't think both sides are going to go into this with like necessarily their top 11 per se. Like as much as I love Causey, he's the backup keeper. By terms of the stats this year, mm-hmm. um, so it'd be very interesting. I think both sides are not going to go in with their top eleven, but they're going to go maybe with their top seven or their top eight, because North Carolina is still going to want to win the shield. 
I think. You would imagine. Um, like, they're on their way up. Also, it's... Title a, with you kind of a thing, right? Well, they're also in the room where it's a playoff buy or not because Noko is in third, right. I think, right now. And the third-place team does not get a playoff buy. Only top two do. So that's... There's a lot. It's so tight with the top three. It's a decision of shield, home field guaranteed, and also a playoff buy. So I could, North Carolina could come into this with their top 11. Um, It'll be interesting. It'll be a very interesting match. I I would think they would. I think they would not want to have a a Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin situation, uh, or at least the league shouldn't want that. Uh, (coughs) If you don't get that reference, I'm sorry. I'll explain it in another video. Uh, <laughs> if you do get that reference, welcome. You're old like me. Um, I, I just think it's a an opportunity for North Carolina to get some points. And, you know, Lexington, Nacho, come on now. This is your time. Play spoiler um, and just go and play your last home game with everything in front of you. But and these next and these next two, you should play spoiler. Yes, you should. Should. And well, they have the capability to do so. Yes, they, they have all the capability. They've got the young guys who've got spry legs well, still. Like, let's go. We've took we've taken it to North Carolina before. Mm-hmm. We played them our second ever game. We scored on them first. Then they got two goals, and then we drew with them. I'm pretty sure. I need a double. I haven't done the deep dive, but I'm pretty sure we drew with them back in like July. So, well, make sure you come back on Wednesday show <coughs> for that full breakdown of that Lexington, North Carolina game, racing Louisville versus Orlando pride. And then Lou city versus, Oh my God, I just dropped who they play. Um, Hartford, um, for all of those breakdowns for all that action coming up later this weekend. But, John, let's close out today's episode by running through um, our weekly college review. Um, I'll kick us off here with the Bellarmine men, um, who started last week with a 1-1 draw with IUPUI, uh, the Jaguars. Uh, Bellarmine showed a lot of resilience and had to fight back from a 1-0 deficit um, earlier in the match to get the draw. Um, Chris Shunt, S-H-U-S-T, Shust. Um, scored his first goal um, of the season to equalize it for uh, the Knights. Uh, their offense was much improved in this game, and we'll talk about that in a second in their second game. Um, freshman Alex Harvey recorded um, his first collegiate um, draw with an assist uh, on the goal, um, and young players continue to step up for the Knights. Um you know, overall, that was a pretty good performance. It was on the road, so I'm glad to see them continue to compete for that A-Sun title. Um, and then things got crazy um, on Sunday. Sunday? I think it was Sunday. Um, for the dramatic 1-0 victory over Queens uh, for the Knights. Um, and in that one, yes, Knights do checkmate Queens. See what they did there? A little chess chest thing nope he's shaking his head it's okay um shunt or shust scores again this time with only four seconds left in regulation dealing a heartbreaker to queens and getting revenge uh for bellerman who suffered a late um loser against lipscomb 
last week. Um, his goal um, has gave him back-to-back matches with goals. Um, and, and overall, it was a really solid performance uh, for Bellerman. Their defense especially um, limited Queen's opportunities and really helped secure the shutout. Uh, Matthew uh, Brovich uh, made some big saves and really helped move Bellerman's line up because he continued to uh, give deep, uh, what's the word, like kickoffs? What's, what's the word I'm looking for? Sure. Uh, into the attacking end for Bellerman, making it much easier for them to push forward, keep their lines up. And this type of win really shows the resolve that um, the Bellerman men have right now. Uh, they need to continue to ride this momentum from these two games uh, as they aim to continue um, towards that ASUN conference tournament uh, regular or the ASUN regular season title. Um, their next match is against is on the road at Florida Gulf Coast, and currently um, the Bellerman men have a record of two wins. Uh, two losses, five draws, and they're one, one, and one in the A Sun, giving them best uh, for fourth place. Pump the brakes on that little title talk. <laughs> hey man, it was exciting. <laughs> it really was. Like it was, it was good to see Bellerman men like performing as well as they had been. They had a good week. Hey, you know what? Sometimes a good week turns into a good month. You never know. Speaking of record-setting performances. The Bellerman women have their first conference victory last week. A 4-2 victory over Jacksonville. Yes, the Knights slayed the Dolphins. Um, They scored four goals, uh, which was the highest they had ever scored at this level of competition, uh, meaning, you know, A-Sun conference play in Division I. Uh, They got contributions from four different players, really showing the depth uh, that this team has. Um, you know, when you look at, oh my, uh, when you look at some of their senior leadership that they have, multiple of them scoring goals, they had some young players, um, who also scored their goal, uh, two of the goals in that match, but overall it was a great effort. Congratulations on getting your first conference victory at the D one level for, uh, the Bellarmine women. They then followed that up with a 1-1 draw against North Florida. And please, if somebody can tell me what an Osprey is, I would love to know. Um, when you when you look at this game, um, Bellerman scored the goal um, by... Who is that? Orzarko? God, I butchered that. I am so sorry. Um, and she is really emerging as a, a player to be watched as we move through the rest of the A-Sun Conference Tournament play. Uh, their goalkeeper had six first half saves. Um, despite heavy pressure, she played really well. Um, you know, extending the run of four matches unbeaten uh, for the Knights. So it was a really good week to be a Bellerman fan. Um, their women currently sit uh, at four wins, four losses, five draws, and they have a one, two, and three. Uh, record in the A Sun, which is currently good enough for ninth. John, talk to me about another A Sun school, EKU. So EKU had a really good week. 
they continued their dominance um, from beating up Kennesaw State on the road by coming home and demolishing North Florida. Um, uh, Lydia Hervier got her first ever collegiate goal. She's a senior defender. She got a PK. But uh, Jimmy Anderson got a brace in that match. The defense continues to shine really good. Uh, defense held strong against Jacksonville, where they they really dominated. But Jacksonville keeper had their day. Um, so the Colonels currently are rolling pretty good in the A Sun. They're three one and two. You know, only dropped one match so far. They're playing really good, but they'll have a really tough test coming up. Um, they'll first face Northern Alabama on. Th- Thursday, not that really a tough of a test, but then they'll take on Central Arkansas, who is second in the A-Sun. Um, that is their really big, tough test coming up. Fun fact about Central Arkansas, they play on a football field that is purple and gray striped. It hurts your eyes. Anyways, John, uh, what about the big boys, Big Blue? Big boys ain't big boys. <laughs> uh, Thank you. That was well done. Uh, the so for those who don't know, the wildcat, the men have imploded. Absolutely imploded. Uh, they and they haven't imploded in a way that is like, oh my gosh, it's like mind-numbing implosion because they're losing like one zero games. So they're having like one slip up defensively, and then they're just they can't score an offense. So they've been shut out for the fourth straight game uh, after falling one zero or one zero. Yep, on the road at number three UCF for their only game last week. Um, they just couldn't get. They only had three shots on target. Couldn't find any sort of offense. They're zero and three. In the in the Sun Belt, this is remember this is a squad that did not lose a game last year, and now they can't buy a win. Um, it or just buy shows a goal. how been, fast this can turn around. They have been shut out for three hundred and seventy-three minutes. Whew. Their last goal was scored in like the 78th minute against Lipscomb, which was five matches ago. So they have four full games of no goals and then add in like the 13 minutes. Um, but we'll see. Cause um, they're facing another side that has fallen from grace in terms of preseason ranking in Indiana. This was supposed to be their big game of the year. It's not a Sunbelt game. It's a big game at a time. This was a top five matchup at one point in time, looking down the roster. Neither of these teams are receiving votes anymore. Neither of these teams are in the top 25. So, at this point, Kentucky just wants to bounce and get get a goal at least. They need a uh, goal. Facing Indiana tomorrow night at home. And then they'll head down to Coastal Carolina to recontinue Sunbelt play on Saturday night. Quick, John. But, can you name the mascot of Coastal Carolina? Some sort of rooster. The Chanticleers. Come on. <laughs> that that painful silence is John staring a hole in my soul. Thank you. Uh, UK women's though 
remain unbeaten. Uh, they got another great result over a top, over a ranked school be, beating Alabama. Remember how are they not know. ranked? I don't know how they're not getting votes. Like it doesn't um, make sense. By the RPI, uh, they are thirtieth in the country. Um, they're better so than our, thirty. For those who don't know, RPI is this mathematical thing NCAA has come up with to determine like leveling rankings of stuff. The United Soccer Coaches doesn't exactly match that, kind of, but it's not exact. Um, but in that, Kentucky is thirtieth. To be fair, they haven't played amazing squads, um, but they uh, this was a double historic night, uh, beating number nine Alabama at home, but Jordan Rhodes set the all-time Wildcats record with her 45th goal. She scored both goals in this game, tying it and then breaking it. She is now the all-time leading scorer at the school, both men and women's from what I can find. The men's is actually really low. It's like in the 20s. Jeez. 20s or low 30s. Granted, this record book is from 2021. was the last time I could find it. It was updated. So it could be out of date. But from what I found by UK's own website, um, Jordan Rose is now the all-time leading scorer with much of the season remaining uh, in UK history uh, when she Got her, got her second in the seventieth minute for the, or no, seventy fifth minute for the game winner. Uh, Alabama had equalized in the seventieth. Um. So and then they take on two Tennessee schools, hosting, uh, going down on the road to take on the Bulls before hosting Vanderbilt. Should be an interesting week for the the UK women then. Um. <coughs> Quite the, you know, when you're looking at the the Bluegrass Soccer Cast College Cup standings, there were two teams in the top five at the big schools, right? There was UK Women, and then there was UK uh, U of L Men. Sorry, uh, the U of L Men are definitely not going to be in the top five this week after an embarrassing three to zero loss to Virginia uh, last week. Uh, Virginia dominated uh, the game; they controlled possession from beginning to end. Um, scoring two goals in the first half, adding a third in the 71st minute. Uh, they dominated uh, the shooting. They outshot Louisville 16-7, to um, and they secured their second clean sheet of the season. Um, overall, Louisville's offense just continues to ping-pong up and down. Um, some matches it's really good. Some matches it's really bad. Um, the coaching staff uh, seems to be really frustrated uh, Coach John Michael Hyden um, is likely frustrated by his team's uh, inability to threaten Virginia, uh, threaten Virginia's goalkeeper. Sorry, um, especially um, in the last few minutes of the match, as they had several opportunities to score, but they just couldn't um, put one past their keeper. Uh, and U of L needs to rebound quickly uh, because they can't have that kind of an ACC loss linger. Uh, there's lots of room for improvement for this team. They still have NCAA tournament um, opportunities in front of them. Um, heading into this recording, uh, the University of Louisville sat at 6-2-1, and one, 
and one, two, and one in the ACC Atlantic Division. That's good enough for fourth. Now, as we did talk about earlier, they did beat UMKC. Uh, that will be in our write-up for next week's um, college recap, uh, but it will be added to their uh, college cup standings for this week as I close those tonight. But if we have a good, we have to have a bad, right? That just seems to be the, the typical trend in, in our state, right? Uh, the UofL women um, had a very bad 3-0 to zero, uh, loss to number 10, Notre Dame. Um, really tough opponent. Notre Dame is one of the best uh, teams in the country right now, um, especially on the women's side. Uh, they jumped on the Cardinals early. Um, had a 1-0 lead going into half, and then added two more pretty quickly into the second half. Um, the Notre Dame goalkeeper uh, was really good, uh, but the U of L keeper uh, Floyd wasn't bad. Um, she made eight saves. Um, I know that's kind of weird to say. You know, you made eight saves, but you gave up three goals. Um, but nonetheless. They, they played a pretty good game considering the level of their opponent. Um, they need to continue to show their ability to compete with those top-tier teams. Um, but Notre Dame, really good. Not much that UofL women could have done. Oh, uh, they are... UofL women are currently two wins, six losses, four draws. And they are one, two, and one in the ACC, which is 10th currently. Um, so then we moved on to Moorhead, who had a decent week as well. Um, they drew with Eastern Illinois. This was a gut punch, actually, really, because they, Eastern Illinois scored with just 26 seconds left in the game. Out. Tie it. Uh, Colleen Swift got her fourth goal of the year in it. Um, now, the, it was a very much defensive affair. It's a second straight draw for the Eagles, but the it's the first time they've surrendered a goal in three matches. So, I guess you will. Then they had they lost, they dropped the game. They fell to uh, Southern Indiana, and they were really their worst enemy in this one. Uh, they let an own goal early, and then the in, Indiana got another late, and it just they couldn't climb out of that because they're not that great of an offensive team. They're very defensive. So they just weren't able to climb out of that hole they kind of dug for themselves. They'll look to bounce back as they take on southeastern, uh, southeast Missouri um, mm-hmm. in their only game uh, this week. Uh, they are second in the Ohio Valley Conference somehow. Um, <laughs> the Ohio Valley has not gone off to that great of a start, but they're 2-1-2. and two. So they really they've only lost one game in the Ohio Valley, so that's kind of why. But the Ohio Valley as a whole doesn't really have a dominant team right now. <clears throat> now speaking of the Ohio Valley, a former Ohio Valley uh, member, my Murray State Racers, uh, they had a rough week. <laughs> Not as bad as as other weeks previously, but um, they had a one zero loss to the University of Illinois at Chicago. That ended their three-match unbeaten streak, um, so they could not extend that to four. Um, the game-winning goal came in the 20th minute um, for UIC. Uh, and, and really, overall, 
the racers didn't really show a lot of resilience and they didn't show a whole lot of determination. And, you know, I get it. A midweek, long road game. But if you're going to compete in the Missouri Valley, this is the, the type of games that you need to get results from. Um, you, they need to find their offense again. They need to find an opportunity to continue to get more shots and continue to put them, you know, on frame at least. Um, but, you know, not a great result for, for the racers in that 1-0 uh, defeat. Now, they did manage a 1-1 draw with Valpo uh, or Valparaiso, uh, which was a hard-fought uh, draw for the racers. Um, and it was a rematch of the semifinals from the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament last year. Um, both matches happening at Valpo. Um, early lead and quick responses uh, for uh, Valparaiso was how they uh, scored and what they continued to do um, against the racers most of the match. Um, however, Murray State was able to swiftly respond every single time. Um, Mary Hardy... Um, had a flick on pass to Sydney Etter uh, in the box to level the score uh, five minutes after uh, Valpo had scored. So it was good to see that, you know, the, the offense was moving, passes looked much, much crisper. Um, but in the end, there were several missed opportunities again for the racers. But this was an overall better performance by them. Um, and really, it was it's encouraging for racer fans. Um, as we head into the stretch run of conference play. Racers will return to home uh, pitch at Cutchin Field to face Northern Iowa on Thursday at 3 p.m. Currently, the racers are um, two wins, seven losses, four draws, and are 0-1-4 in the Missouri Valley, which is currently good enough for ninth. Uh, And then we jump to NKU. Uh, who, listen, Lex fans uh, can complain all they want about late uh, draws. Uh, NKU has had, lost a lot of games on a late goal, especially the men. Uh, they Well, first, they beat Western Illinois, who is a non-conference opponent, on Tuesday. Uh, this was a comeback win. Uh that saw them equalize the game in the 18th minute after letting in a goal in the seventh. Sam Robinson got his own. They got kind of a little payback for previous games. Sam Robinson got a goal in the 89th minute. They would dominate this whole match. That one goal to Western Illinois was kind of a fluke. Uh, but then when they face the conference foe, uh, it was not that much better. NK. U has only won one game in conference. They've lost three. They dropped two to one on the road to Cleveland State. They would um, let in both of these goals uh, after going up a up one with a Sam Robinson PK on the forty seventh. Cleveland would equalize in the fifty fourth, and then they would get a gut punch of a goal in the ninetieth minute again for NKU. Uh, and it wasn't that great of a week either for the women. They dropped their only match, uh, three to one against Milwaukee. Uh, they were bound to break as the second, only the third match. The women have allowed more than 
have allowed multiple goals. It's the first match they've ever lost by a multiple goal deficit. It was just the defense was bound to crack eventually. They cracked against Milwaukee. Uh, we'll see how they bounce back as they have, are kind of a home and away split. They'll take on Green Bay. They'll go on the road against Green Bay on Thursday, but then they'll host Cleveland State on Sunday. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, the women are doing much better. They are still waiting for a Horizon League win, but they have three draws in conference, so we'll see. So, John, then we'll close it out today with the WKU Lady Toppers, who had a pretty good weekend. They had a 2-0 victory over Chicago State in a uh, non-conference matchup. Um, WKU earned a very important victory to improve to 3 um, I lost my note there. Uh, three, two, and seven on the season um, overall, um, and, and this was something that they needed—a match they needed to win. It halted their losing streak, um, and it was, like I said, much needed victory. Only the third one of the season, but hey, they're doing pretty well uh, in conference play. Uh, the Lady Toppers got goals by Olivia Cook and Aspen uh, Searchy. Um, to provide the offense, um, spreading out some of those the the scores. Or one was early and one was a little bit later in the match. Um, WKU dominated the match uh, with an 11 to zero shooting edge. Uh, they can controlled the play. Uh, they controlled the tempo of the match. Um, they really, really look to be trending upwards. Uh, the Lady Toppers earned their sixth shutout. Um, this time by Emma Tompkins, um, who made her season debut. Um, another good, solid defensive performance. Um, but in this game, WKU started eight new players, allowing some of their veterans to rest, and they still performed really, really well on the offensive end. Um, th- they really showed a balanced effort and a balanced attack. Um, and you know, WKU truly seems to be finding their form, and I look forward to kind of seeing what they do um, heading down the stretch here in Conference USA play. But, John, with all of that out of the way, that will end today's episode of the Bluegrass Soccer Cast. Uh, if you like the show and you want to continue to support us, we do have a Buy Us Coffee account. We appreciate anyone who has donated before. You can scan that QR code right up there or right over here. Um, at any point during our show. Um, this show will always be free. That's just kind of how we do things around here, but we do appreciate all the support. I want to thank you all for joining us today. Um, make sure you're following us on all our social media channels, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, etc. Uh, and those handles are at BG SoccerCast. Make sure to give us a listen on all your favorite podcasting platforms like Spotify, Google, YouTube, <coughs> Apple, iHeartRadio, and so many more. And while you're on those uh, platforms, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, share, and engage in general with us uh, on those platforms. We'd love to read all those comments. Uh, Make sure you join our Discord. Uh, If you're not already in there, go back to our Twitter. It should be right at the top uh, for you to join our our Discord channel. We have some pretty good conversations in our Discord chats. But with all that out of the way, I'm Jimmy. That's John. And we will see you on the next 